How's it going, guys? Tyler Silberg with the Silver Performance Training Podcast, and today is episode number nine. And I'm gonna tell you this: I try to record this podcast now. I think like nine times between audio and then <laughs> pretty much just losing my train of thought halfway through the podcast and just going off on a tangent, and I just stopped. It's one of those days, but you know what? Doesn't matter. Um, you know, I'm recording this off the audio from my MacBook, not even my um, my uh, speaker today or my uh, microphone because that's not working either. It's one of those days. I'm sure you guys have had days like that too. But you know what? Hey, regardless, we're going to get into the podcast. Um, and just like any of the other solo episodes I've done in the past, I'm just going to go through questions that I've been given either through the podcast email um, or social media or friends that have reached out and asked certain questions relating to fitness and um, nutrition and recovery and mindset and all those good things. So I'm just going to go through the list and we'll go from there. Okay. So first one is what are the pros and cons of having a podcast? Well, yeah, there, that's a great question. And there are a lot of pros to having a podcast. Um, one of them being is I really love that I'm able to work through some of my ideas in real time. Um, you know, this isn't a highly produced podcast. I don't plan out any of these questions in advance. So it really gets me good at, you know, improv improvisation, if I can say the word. Um, it gets me really good at that because I'm answering these questions the way I would answer them if someone walked up to me on the street or a client asked me in real time. So it gets me good at really like filtering through my ideas and cutting right to the chase on um, you know, some of the questions that I get answered. So I love that. And, you know, a lot of my friends and, um, you know, some of my clients, they're stand-up comedians. And, you know, when people think of comedy, they think of the Netflix specials on, on you know, on Netflix and these, these end result, um, you know, specials, right? Everything's put together. They have all their hooks put together, all the transitions, um, all the jokes are sequenced the way they want to, but the podcast for me is really like that time where you're showing up to open mics, you know, um, some of the times I'm going to get some things wrong on the podcast, but, um, I'm always getting better by just elaborating on ideas and trying to answer these questions to the best of my ability. I get better at coaching every time I do that. And I know that's, um, I know that's happening because that's the same thing, man. Like, comedians can bomb. I could get up here and, and, and bomb too, but that's fine. That's, that's not what it's about. It's about, you know, I know I need to be communicating my ideas and working through some of these questions because I know it's going to help people and I know it's going to help me too. Um, I would say some of the cons of having a podcast is just, it sounds like a super toolish thing, you know, in conversation. Yeah, I got a podcast cause everybody thinks Joe Rogan, right? So, um, they think things like that is just, you know, I'm just some guy sitting up there and, oh, I'm important and you listen to me. But really, like, the reason I do this is just, like, I just want to help people and I just want to, like, answer their questions to the best of my ability and I want to give them, like, a reasonable voice and fitness and nutrition and mindset, um, you know, that kind of meets them where they're at and accept, accepts them as they are and allows, you know, and I just want to help out. But, yeah, I would say some of the, the cons of having – another con of having in the podcast is – it's really tough because doing a podcast and just having like these recordings of your voice and you answering questions put out on the internet is it leaves you really vulnerable, right? Like, I mean, you guys know just from doing like public speaking in the past, whether you did that in high school or college, it's just, you know, being put on the spot like that. It's, and I coach people all the time, right? I'm talking in front of people all the time, but you know, it does, it, it leaves you vulnerable. And especially when you get feedback, you don't want, um, or, <laughs> or you ask for feedback from the wrong person and you don't hear what you like to hear. And, um, those things are tough, but I also know that, you know, it's just, that's just part of the game. If you want to put out material, like there's going to be some people that really align themselves with your message. There's going to be people that won't for whatever reason. And that's fine. I, that's, that doesn't, you know, that's just how it is. Um, okay. The next question is, I've noticed every, that's more of a statement. Well, whatever. It's a, it looks like a question too. I've noticed every time I've gotten to a relationship, I stop working out. That happens to a lot of people. Um, 
Do you have recommendations for keeping a fitness routine while in a relationship? Yeah, this is a really interesting thing too, because I actually talked about that um, with some of my clients in the past too. Like I've been in relationships like that where, you know, you, you know, when you're single, right, you're trying to look good and trying to, you know, do your thing and um, <laughs> look good in the, in the mating sense, right? Like you know, try to make, make the muscles pop and be strong and all this stuff. But um, yeah, once you get in a relationship, right, you go out to eat, you, you have your Netflix dates, you have like just chilling at home, you know, you guys are with each other a, a lot and, you know, if you, if you aren't too like highly active individuals going into the, um, relationship to start, you know, that can be just a downhill thing, right? You know, if, if you guys don't get organized about your exercise routine, you know, I would, I would say if I make any recommendation is, you know, try to get on the same page with each other. If you're living with each other, especially, you know, think about like, Hey, like I know that we want to eat, have, have our date night, right? Like have our pizza night or our tacos night. Um, but if you guys do have goals, you're going to have to communicate them with each other and just go, Hey, like we can still do some of these things, but during the week I would like to be a little bit more regimented about how I eat and plan a little bit more because, you know, I'm trying to prioritize my health and, you know, my body and things like that. And, and don't, and be really careful about how you word that because, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to shit on your partner and act like it's their fault, right? Like you guys both need to do what you can to communicate what you need from each other. And, you know, if, if eating better is one of those things is just something you're going to have to talk through and, um, and work that out. I think, you know, even doing an exercise routine together, maybe, maybe you guys aren't doing the strength training together. Um, but getting regular walks in every day, I think it's great for your health, but I think it's also great for your relationship. Like I love going on walks with people and just like sh shooting the shit and talking about my day and what's going on and what I'm thinking about and all those things. So I would say like a good way to build, you know, a routine together, um, as far as movement goes when you're in a relationship would be, you know, you guys can get a membership together or going on some fitness equipment together. Um, but also, like I said, just the basic things like go do recreational things together. You could go rollerblade together. You could go take a hike together. Um, and if you're dating someone that's really not into the regimen exercise type of programs, I would start with that, you know, lead with some fun recreational activity so that you don't bore them to death. And you might have to just go do your fitness routine on your own too. You know, um, that's a you thing, not a, that's not you know, you don't need to be putting that on your significant other. Um, that's for you to, to plan and work out. Okay. Um, what advice would you give to people who don't believe in themselves? I would say you got to believe in yourself because if you don't, you know, who, who's going to? I mean, no. I mean, obviously we have people around us that um, that lift us up and, and motivate us and, and things like that. But yeah, I would say a big part of like taking on any new endeavor is really you just have to fake it till you make it, right? So if you know you you find yourself that you find that you're out of shape or you you've been lacking in the nutrition department, you want to eat a little bit better, is you got to act your way into change. You know, I think I think Trevor said in his book was like, you know, first you form your habits and then they form you. You know, so I would really say like if you don't believe in yourself, really just start by trying to put some structure in place in your routine that allows you to start moving toward your goals because, you know, those are going to be the things that ultimately get you where you want to go. And, you know, I would say to this too is, is like build your team up, man. Like when you first start anything new, right. And we'll just relate it to training or a nutrition eating routine or anything like that. It's really hard and you have to there's points you don't believe in yourself and you're going to have to borrow your motivation and borrow your belief from other people around you. You're really going to have to build your team up. That's one of the biggest reasons I really believe in what I do is I think anyone can start a nutrition plan. I think anyone can start a workout routine, but I think, you know, having someone in your life that's like lifting you up and making sure that, you know, um, they touch base with you every week and they keep you going when you don't feel like you can get there. I think that's really important. So, 
yeah, I would say if you if if you're struggling to believe in your abilities to accomplish what you want to accomplish, either hire someone to support you or um, you know make sure that you're building a team of your your peers and your friends and your significant other to like help help you believe in yourself because you can do it. You, you really can. It's really just going to be it's going to come down to that decision of whether you're willing to put up with faking it until you make it. You know. Um, God, man, it's, uh, I've been very lucky in my life that I had so many people still, right. That, that, that believe in what I'm doing, because I know there's, there's points in, in my business and I'm just like, I, I totally get it. You're just like, fuck man, I can't, I don't feel like I can do this. I don't feel like I'm moving in the direction I want to. I'm not moving fast enough. Right. That's a big one. Like the patience piece. So I feel you, I feel you. And I, I know that's like a very normal feeling to feel. Um, when you start something new, but you, you can do it. I, I promise you that you're just going to have to, like I said, you're going to have to build your team up. It's really important to do that. Um, okay. So how do you work through bad cravings? Um, I'm just not a guy who like asks my clients to give up things. I think if there's something that you really like and enjoy, I think you're better off learning to consume things in moderation than you are to completely give things up because I think it just works against everything about how we work psychologically. Um, you know, the minute I tell you don't do this or don't think about this, what's the first thing you do and what's the first thing you think about, right? Um, so I would say like, <laughs> and I was going to make me sound like a bad trader, given, given to your cravings, right? But, but, but learn learn how to balance these things, right? Like if this is something that's less conducive of your goals, needs, and personal preferences of what you want to consume, don't keep it in the house, right? Make this something that, I, I look at it like this, you know, like I love chips, but man, I'm not going to buy them, put them in the house. Like if I want chips, I'm going to get them when I'm out to eat with friends or I'm going to get them when, you know, just as like a little bag, right? I'm not going to buy a full bag. I'll buy one of those little bags like in the groceries, grocery store, um, but you know, like, like I said, I don't think you ever need to lean completely to the other end of the continuum and go, I need to give something up completely. Um, because I think it'll just, it'll just work against you. And then when you finally get your hands on some chips or, you know, Ben and Jerry's ice cream or anything like that, you're going to, you're going to mow it down and go nuts. And I just, I think that ben, that binge purge, um, you know, or like restriction, you know, binge purge cycle thing is just not a good thing. And I think if we were a little bit more forgiving with ourselves and a little bit more realistic about, you know, our nutritional needs, right? Not just past fueling, not just to do with what you need for your goals and your needs, but you know, like I saw something that Precision Nutrition posted, you know, the other day I was talking about like, there's certain foods that we eat that recharge us and other aspects of our life, right? Like it's not just all about physical, right? It's about mental, emotional, and existential, and environmental, and all these things, relationships, right? Like, I talked to, I was talking to some of my clients, um, even just today, about like, hey, the sustainable piece is when you start planning the cheat meals, right? Like, I work with so many people that have done such a great job of like, learning how to build plates for their goals, needs, and personal preferences, learning portions, and learning how to slow down when they eat, really mastering eating speed. And then it's like, okay, well, you're doing everything. It starts to feel like Groundhog Day a little bit. Now the last piece is, is programming in some of the things you really like. Like if you like um, pasta, like if you watch my story, I'm always posting pictures of pasta. I love to make it from scratch. It's like, it's just something that it, it, it recharges me in a way that has nothing to do with my physical health, right? Like it just... It's it's it does something different for how I feel and it satisfies a need that has nothing to do with my physical fitness. But I think um, I think you ought to plan those days out so that you know if I want to get chips, I'm going to get chips. If I want to, you know, if one day I want to go to the store and buy, you know, a little uh, not a pint, a little little thing of ice cream for myself, I'm going to do that. But I realize that you know eighty or seventy five, eighty. 90% of the time I'm eating foods that are more conducive with my goals, needs, and personal preferences and it's vegetables and colorful fruits and proteins and things like that. But yeah, I don't, I don't, and I don't, I don't, 
I really just don't even believe in the concept of, of saying things are good and bad because it really is just, it's all contextual. And I really like to look at things on a continuum. Like when you coach with me, um, I use that precision nutrition model where they go, you know, eat more. You know, these are foods that you eat liberally. These are whole foods like fruits and vegetables and, you know, lean proteins and healthy fats and minimally proce processed carbohydrates. And then you move along the continuum to eat sometimes and then eat less, right? And the, the foods just generally become more and more processed as you move to the other side of the continuum. You could look at this as like green, yellow, and red light foods. You know, you don't have to give up foods, but you have to understand that in the scheme of a, a day, in the scheme of a week, in the scheme of a month, that, you know, those green light foods really need to exceed um, and account for a bulk of your consumption. And less of the consumption comes from those yellow and red light foods. But you don't have to give them up. Um, I know that's what people tell you, but it's, it's not true. <laughs> I'm probably in the best shape of my life, and I, and I uh, you know... A bag of chips here and there. You order some meatball subs here and there. We get some takeout. It's, it's just fine. It's just fine. You gotta have balance, and you don't want to go nuts. You got time. Okay. So, what's the first thing you address working with clients? Oh, this is a great question. Um, you know, I, I think trainers that like don't have a lot of experience, they go right to the exercise piece. I'm, I'm a guy where like, I don't even, you know, you can talk about that stuff in your, in your consultation. I'll read it, but I'm a big person on just getting on the phone with someone, getting on a FaceTime, right? I want to see their face. <laughs> I want to see the beautiful face. And then, and then I, I like to talk about like, Hey, what's your goal? You know, just in the broad sense, because you can ask these really broad questions of people and they'll just start talking about the things that they value and they love. And I think the first place you need to start with people instead of shoving macros down people's throats and shoving the exercises down people's throats is really showing your gen genuine interest, which, which I really do have, like, cause I think it makes the programs work better. I think it allows for better adherence, but getting to know the client and getting to know what they value, um, because that's going to be the biggest thing that you're going to be able to leverage in, helping build them a really good program that fits them, right? And looking at them as an individual. Because any, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but like any dipshit, right? Like just can, can make a program. There's a bunch of free programs online, right? There's a bunch of free meal plans online, right? There's these diet books that probably run you 10, 15 bucks a pop. You go over and buy one, you know? And, but, but that doesn't work for people because when you don't have support and you don't have someone that can look at like what you're already consuming and what you're already doing for movement and, and give you the next best step, like it's really hard to like get success on those programs. So I think the biggest part is starting with people's values. Like, Hey, what's important to you? Those are my kids, you know, like I, I really found, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the moms that I work with, they're like, you know, I felt like when I had my kid, I really had to, to give all my time to, you know, my, my kid and providing for them and, and being there for them. And, and my, I let my health go, you know, um, to, to make time for, for them and be the best mom I knew how to be and things like that. So it's like, you know, you, you have to be able to go back around and go like, well, you know, for you to, to really support that person, you got to take care of number one first. So I think like just getting to know people's like background stories and like how they got there and what they value, because like, I think everybody always looks at people that like are out of shape or not physically fit as like lazy. And there's just like all these circumstances that like lead up to that. And a lot of times I've noticed it's really great qualities about the person that like leads them down that road, right? Like, if you're a mom and you're just trying to provide for your kids and you're working extra and you're, um, you know, like you're, you're being there for your family and you're doing everything, you're foregoing the things you like and, and that you would like to work on um, to provide. That person's not lazy at all, but they just need to think about it in the larger context of like, well, okay, well, if I'm, you know, if I'm not healthy and I can't move around and do these things, well, you know, that's going to get in the way of me providing and get in the way of me being there for my kids in the long term. So it's kind of just roping them back around, right? To, hey, I think, you know, you got to this point for all the right reasons, but 
you know, if you really value um, fitness in your family, that we got to be able to start to build some of these habits back up in your life. And I think that's really important. So I always, I always think about like this is you start with values, um, you know, your values kind of give you your goals from there, right? Because it's like, I value, I value helping people. I value supporting people. I value having conversations with friends and families and family and clients. But just out of some, some of those right there, it's like, well, okay, well then, so my goal is then get on the phone with, you know, friends, family and clients and support them and help them. Okay, well, how do I do that? Okay, well, you know, I do that by doing X. So it basically, look, you can look at your values and allows you to form your goals. And then you can start to line up things the way that they need to be for the things that you value in life. So yeah, that's what I start with. Um, I'm very, very confident and competent in programming and in, you know, in, in walking people through nutritional plans and approaches. I'm very competent in that, but I think like the, the piece I want to know the most for long-term adherence is that. Okay. Um, okay. What books are you reading right now? Man, I am I got ADHD so bad and I, I read like a, a lot of things all at once. So like, you know, one of the books I'm reading right now is Getting to Neutral by Trevor. Um, really great coach that just passed away in September of cancer, but just elite coach, man. He was a mental, uh, mental conditioning coach for Georgia and Alabama and um, worked with Russell Wilson through Dangerous Minds, their company that they had. And just anyone you can, Drake, you know, he helped. Um, he works. He worked with Drake as well. And I, just, a, just a great book about kind of some of the things I was just talking about, like how you let your values form your behaviors and your habits, and then you get to your goals, right? Like I, what I really love about Trevor's book is how he talks about, um, I kind of look at this through the same lens as I do with people that sign up for me with training is he did such a good job of building a great culture where, you know, these, this room of kids that were like 18 to 22 years old that are going to be future first round draft picks. And, um, you know, and, and had their eyes set on winning a national championship. He did such a good job of building a culture where you focus on one workout at a time, one meal at a time, one, one assignment at a time, one test at a time that, you know, in their building, no one talked about winning a national championship. No one talked about getting picked in the first round. It was basically understood that, um, in the way, you know, Trevor preached it to the, to the kids and they really believed it was like, if I focus on the things that get me there, the outcomes take care of themselves. And I, I kind of look at like my coaching style a lot like that. I really enjoy his book because, you know, he was a big guy of like not looking at the scoreboard. You know, you just focus on one play at a time. You focus on what you can do. And I'm a lot like that working with clients too, you know, you know, whatever didn't budge on the scale. You know, I want to see my numbers move. You just keep focusing on the things you need to do to get you to where you want to go. Okay. Don't be scoreboard watching. You do the right things and you're going to end up where you need to go. Okay. So that's one of the, one of the books I'm reading right now. Great book. I can't recommend it enough. And then, and then his first book, getting to neutral too, just an incredible dude. Um, yeah. And I mean, he, he, in his book too, he even talks about, you know, his battle with cancer and, and talks about how neutral thinking was just at the, at the core of him being able to get through some of these really tough times in his life. Right. Sometimes you can't be positive, um, but we know that negative thinking works against us hundred percent of the time. So he really talks about in his book about like staying neutral. Okay. Not everything's going to be positive, but you don't need to go negative, right? You need to think about things objectively and, um, you know, always be asking yourself, what's the next step? You know, this is in front of me. This challenge is in front of me. What, where am I going next? What do I need to do right now? Um, so that's a great book. I'm also like, this is going to sound weird, but I read a lot of like, um, drug addiction and alcohol books. And I just like, I'm fascinated, um, by addiction. And I think, I think part of that is, you know, people in my, my family, uh, have really like battled with addiction and I've been around people that have, you know, I've been around like really good friends of mine that have like passed away drinking and, um, I had that, you know, with my biological dad as well, you know, when I was 13, he, you know, He's super smart, awesome, 
kind dude, but man, he could just never stay off drugs and he could never, you know, stop drinking and, and doing these things. So when I, I, I just love to read books. I was, I read, um, Chris Heron's basketball junkie. They have a great, um, they have a great documentary about that on ESPN that he has, but just his, his life and how drugs affected his playing career and his family life and all that, all those things. And, um, so I read that and then I'm also reading, um, <laughs> this is going to sound funny, right? Like, it's like, you know, I probably, I drink less now than I have at any point in my life. Um, but I'm reading, um, I'm reading Alcoholics Anonymous just for, because I, I think about it like this, like my dad, my dad, um, you know, got in a car accident and, you know, eventually ended up passing away. He was a paraplegic after he got in the crash, but it's so weird because, you know, he just never really had a stable job and he was kind of like couch hopping and, you know, he made that work cause he's a good looking dude and stuff but, and, and slick. But it's just like, I look at like, when I like drive around and I see like, um, if I see like a homeless guy or I see some dude like out, like asking for money and, and I'm not saying all those people like have addiction problems. I'm not, I'm just saying like that. I'm just fascinated by it. I just like wonder was like, was that my dad? You know what I'm saying? Um, so I also like to read these books cause I think about like, you know, I drank a lot in college and you know, it's not that I don't go out and have fun now, but, um, I like to like think I'm on the other side of that type of stuff, right? Like I have a lot better drinking habits and this is just something I, I do for fun every once in a while. But like, you know, I, I, I bordered as, as a lot of people in Wisconsin did, they bordered on the line of, <laughs> you know, where alcoholism, um, and binge drinking, you know, you're walking that fine line between that and alcohol, you know, being an alcoholic, right? Like you never really know, I guess. But um, I, I'm just reading the AA book because I just like in my head, I'm like, well, what if you just read this? Or that? It's fascinating to me. I don't know. I like to re I like to read that. And my thing is too is like uh, everything of what I do working with people in coaching is you gotta be able to tell stories, and you gotta be able to tell stories about people that like overcame something and they're resilient and. I can't think of anything harder to probably, you know, overcome than that. So it's like, you know, I'm able to read some of that stuff and be like, wow, you know, like, man, all we got to do is eat better and, and work out. I know that sounds simple, but it just really, um, it keeps your life in, in perspective, I think, with reading that. And then another book too, I'm reading the book um, called Resilience. I can't remember who the author is, but he's basically writing a series of letters to one of his friends that had really bad PTSD um, and, you know, I, I guess he ended up going to, to prison or something for some battery charge and, and, and committing a crime. But he was basically the whole book is about him trying to talk to his friend and, and like walk him through what had happened and how he needs to bounce back. And it's, it's a really great start of the book. I guess I'm kind of blanking on some of the stuff cause I'm reading a lot of books at once, but that's really great too. Like my, my grandpa, you know, he works with vets for peace and, um, and my grandma too, they've always just worked with like, you know, um, people coming back from overseas and, and people that have PTSD and, and things like that, volunteering with that and working with those groups. So it's just a really fascinating thing to me. Um, yeah. So yeah, those are some of the books I'm reading. I read like a million other random things and, uh, but yeah, I, I like to, I'm a big guy and I love the Kindle app on my phone. Um, I like to just keep a good rotation of books in there. You know, sometimes I'm feeling like reading a cookbook. Sometimes I'm reading, I like reading, uh, books about religion. Like I was reading ones on, on Buddhism, but not really for the aspect of just the adopting the religion necessarily. Just, I love like, I love learning about, you know, the, the path to enlightenment, so to speak. I, I read some of those books and I think about, I think about my life as a coach is like basically, you know, at every stage of this guy's life, uh, Buddha's life, he's, he meets another teacher and learns more and then he always knows there's, there's something else to be learned. And then he just never fully accepts any one way of, of learning or teaching or approach. And I think that's like the way I like to approach my life. And I, I think that's a way like a lot of coaches should approach exercise and nutrition is like, you never know everything. There's always more to know. 
And there's always like certain things that work better in certain contexts better than others. There's no one way, no one, one, you know, one size fits all. There's no cookie cutter way to do this stuff. And so I don't know. I like reading some of that stuff. I know like my, my friend Hannah, she sent me some, some good, um, some good readings that I should do out of the, the Bible, I guess, too. I'm going to, I'm going to check that out too. I just like reading everything. And I really, I really just, I like to expand my mind in whatever way I can and, and expose myself to a bunch of different stuff because I, I pride my, myself and my ability to keep an open mind and to be um, creative and, and not, you know, put myself in a box, so to speak of being any one thing or thinking any singular way. Okay. Um, how much do you need to work out to see results? Man, if you're not working out right now at all, um, 20, 30 minutes a day, you know, I'm big on people that, you know, if you, if you, you look at it like medicine, right. You think about the concept of minimum effective dose. Um, you know, if you're not doing anything, introducing anything is going to make a change. So, you know, if you're not working out at all, start with 20 minutes. If you have 20 minutes, or 30 minutes, you know, if you're, if you, um, I really think for most people, if you're, if you're talking about ideal programming and probably for like the, the groups of people I work with adults, I, I think that, um, I think three days a week of training and two days of mobility and regeneration and soft tissue work like foam rolling or working on the softball or golf ball or, you know, doing some stability movements using the straps and things like that. I think, I think you, you can really get some awesome results doing three days of full body training, you know, get your push, pull, squat, hinge, carry going, you know, three days a week and train it hard. Um, I think you can get really great results that way. Um, I, I, I agree a lot with a lot of the concepts that Dan John talks about where he talks about, you know, you approach your training year with bus bench and park bench programs where, you know, sometimes you want to get A to B, you really got to turn it up, right? You're getting ready for the season or, you know, <laughs> the beach season, right? You, you turn it up for a period of time for, you know, um, you know, 12 weeks, eight to 12 weeks. I think that's fine. Really hammer it. Um, but I think that there's like these periods and that would be a bus bench program, you know, right? You're, when you're sitting on a bus bench, you're expecting it to be on time. You're expecting to get there on time. You're, you have a destination in mind, right? And, and then there would be the other one that's like the park bench program, which I think is the way you ought to train most of you, right? Um, when you're sitting at a park bench, you're just enjoying the scenes. You're, you're, you're seeing, you're, you're looking at, you're smelling the flowers and you're, you're watching, your people watching in the park and you're just enjoying yourself. You don't, have, you don't have to be anywhere. You're just soaking it up. And I think that's a good way to train for most of the year, which is the model I was talking about, the three days a week of total body strength training, you know, still hit it hard. The days you're feeling strong, go heavier. The days you're feeling like you need to back off a little bit, back off. But just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. And then those other two days, whatever days you, you decide, you know, hit a walk, do some mobility stuff, roll around on the floor, do some of Tim Anderson's original strength stuff, get on the foam roller, do some self-massage. You can do the TB12 stuff, right, where you, you're doing your self-massage and you get some lotion for that. Um, whatever you want to do, whatever helps you. Um, get to your goals. But I think just in the general sense, that's a good way to train. I think the, you know, the bus bench programs, Hey, go and hit it heavy for 12 weeks at a time for, you know, one or two times a year if you want to. And then the rest of the time, just focus on showing up, you know, most of the days of the week to the gym, or if you train at home and, and just getting the work in, you know, you, you don't need to, to, to jump your bench press up a hundred pounds or your squat up a hundred pounds, or you don't have to drop X amount of weight and this amount of time all the time. Some of the times you just move your body because you know it's good for you and and you know you're gonna get good results just by training and, and just by moving your body on a regular basis. And you don't need to overthink things with percentages and macro counts and things like that um, all the time. You just really don't need to do that. So I think that's that's uh, <laughs> I guess I kind of took a roundabout on that um, that question, but yeah, that would be the way I would say to train. I would say you know. Do most of the year, three days a week. If you want to turn it up, go four days a week, 12 weeks out of the year twice. Go for it. You know, hammer it. Okay. Um, let's look at this. Okay. Um, what are the benefits of fasting and who should do it? I like this question because I like to look at everything as 
you know, whether it's movement, mindset, nutrition, recovery, everything has its foundational concepts that you need to learn first, the fundamentals, right? When I look at nutrition, I look at the fundamentals being plate building, okay? So primarily getting, you know, teaching people how to get the right sources on their plate, right? So, um, you know, veggies, protein, um, healthy fats, and uh, your minimally processed carbohydrates. Then I like to look at portions, okay? So that'd be number two. So, right, just plate building in the general sense, sources, that's first. Then after we start to work with sources, we can go, okay, well, let's look at how a plate ought to be built for your goals, needs, and personal preferences. So that's portions, okay? So then I like to look at portions, right? Let's make sure that there's more vegetables on your plate than there is lean protein, more lean protein on your plate than there is, you know, carbohydrates, more... And that can change, right, for each person, right? So there, there's no one set way, right? If I'm working with an athlete and their carbohydrate demands is higher because their activity or absolutely, we'll, we'll, we'll ramp it up. I'm just saying in a general sense. Um, but I, I think people will start with like intermittent fasting and they're doing it before they're even look at, looking at their sources or portions. Oh, and I missed one, one other one. Three would be eating speed and mindfulness, right? So learning, learning the skill, that third one is going to be learning the skill of eating at a reasonable pace. And then that last piece is going to be, can I, you know, can I eat until I'm satisfied, not stuff, right? So if you're putting good sources on your plate, you're putting them on, on your plate in the right proportions, you're eating slowly, and then you're, you're stopping when you're full and not overstuffing yourself. Those are the fundamentals. And so, so I know it's going to sound like I'm not talking about intermittent fasting, but I am. I want to see people do that stuff first because that's going to account for 85 to 90% of your results right there, right? If you're doing those things correctly, you're going to get phenomenal results without doing macro counts, without doing intermittent fasting. So, you know, do I think that intermittent fasting works? Yes. I, you know, there's some great benefits that you see for older people, right, with longevity and some of those fasting windows being good for that. Um, you know, it's it's definitely great anytime. Well, and, and let's look at it like this. Anytime you're restricting food intake, it's great for your your um, your body fat percentage, right? So if you're going into periods of time that you want to make more drastic cuts in body fat percentage, I think that's fine. But I think if you're a client that's not already in pretty a pretty low body fat percentage, it's just not a tool you need yet. So I look at it this way. Why would you make your life more stressful than it needs to be? Work on your portions and your sources and work on your eating speed and work on eating to satisfied, not stuffed. And once you get good at that stuff, you know, that'll probably take you into the pretty low. If you can do that consistently all the time, that's going to take your body fat percentage down quite a bit. If that's your goal, um, quite a bit. And then you can start messing around with fast, fasting windows. But I just think it's a, you know, it's, it's kind of like if I just started making you Olympic lift before I taught you how to deadlift or snatch grip deadlift and, and do, you know, pulls and things like that. It's just, it's not that you can't get results doing it. It's just, you're doing it all out of order, man. You just, it's just not where you start. Um, so who would do it? You know, I would say people that are, are level one or, or um, I'm sorry, level two or level three eaters, meaning like these guys are like recreational athletes or physique competitors and things like that. Um, but you know, who shouldn't do it, you know, elite athletes. Like I, I see people doing that, but it's like, you look at intermittent fasting and it's like, well, well it decreases testosterone and, and, and can decrease like in long periods of time. I'm not talking about just doing it acutely. Right. But like over long periods of time can lead to, um, muscle degradation, you know, like lean muscle, like going away. Right. And, and it definitely inhibits your strength gains. Right. And just, not having constant fuel sources throughout the day. Um, I definitely don't advocate it for athletes unless they're trying to make, you know, if you're a weight class athlete, do what you got to do to make that scale, do what you want it to do. Don't get me wrong. I get it. I get it, man. I've worked with weight class athletes. Do what you need to do. But I, I would just say it's just not, it's, it's a tool. There's, there's, it's not good or bad intermittent fasting. It's not, you know, if you do it, great. If you don't, great. But that's just my opinion on it is, you know, it's just not the place where you start. And then I, I, I don't think like if you're an athlete, fasting windows and not having constant fuel sources for energy and then also fueling recovery throughout the day, 
It's just not really the move, in my opinion. I don't think it's a very sustainable long-term strategy. So, um, yeah, so that's my opinion on that. Um, okay, and then, I'm going a little long today. We'll keep going. Um, can you specifically target body fat? Um, you know, for example, belly fat, what are your workout recommendations, uh, diet recommendations, if you have anything? This is a really, uh, a really common question that people have. So, you know, great question. And, you know, I, I would say this is you, you can't, your, your body's weird, man, because the, the big thing that people forget is like your body's wired for survival. It's not, it's not wired for physique, right? <laughs> you know, so your anatomical build and where your body decides to store fat, it's, it's based on a lot of things. It's, genetics is a big thing. Um, your gender is definitely a big thing, right? Like where women store body fat is more generally around the hip and thigh area. And then you're seeing like men, they store it around the midsection a lot more. Um, so some of these things you're really not going to have control over. And I, I, that's a great, it's a great question because like, right. Like when you strength train, you can definitely target a specific muscle and grow muscle in a specific area. Absolutely. Um, but your body fat works a little bit more elusively than that, right? So you can't just build lean muscle in the area around the fat and just have the fat just go away, right? Um, so you can't really spot treat the way people think that you, or would you, the way you'd like it to be, right? I do abs, I get abs. Um, that's really not a very good way to approach it just because your body fat percentage, it, that's really all tied to your activity and then tied to um, your nutrition. So if you want to look at your body fat percentage, I always tell people like the last thing to go for most people is going to be the the fat around their midsection. That's just the way it works. You could see someone, you know, chiseled upper body, lower body, back. And the last thing to go, man, is always the area around the abdominals. It, it just typically always is. So um, I would focus less on trying to target specific areas of body fat and focus on the things that lead to fat loss in the first place, which I'll tell you, it's, it's, you know, nutrition focusing on mostly, you know, colorful vegetables and lean protein. It's going to be strength training because that's the thing that's going to put lean muscle on your body, right? So that when you lose the weight that you, you know, you look, you're looking for a look, right? You know, so you want to be lean, um, when you get rid of the body fat percentage, um, as that whittles down and then, you know, do some sort of activity, whether that's walking, um, you know, if you like to, to do go for runs or anything like that, or you like to hike, or you like to rollerblade or whatever you like to do, do something for general activity. And then, um, as Dan John would say, you know, do some inefficient exercise, you know, do something you're bad at. If you're bad at ballroom dancing, go do ballroom dancing. Go make your significant other. We're going back to relationship things from the earlier question, drag his or her ass over and go salsa, do your thing, right? Um, but you'll burn calories in the things you're bad at. This is one of my big beefs with the, the Peloton thing is it's not that I don't think that cycling's good, or I'm not glad that people are taking measures to get healthier. But you know, when you do something that's the same, you have to go farther and harder to get the same results. So, you know, you're better off instead of buying a Peloton bike you're better off doing activities that you're just not good at because it's, it's calorically taxing on your mind and your body. And that's the thing that leads to the most, you know, caloric expenditure in, in, you know, any sort of activity. So I know people are going to hate me for saying that if you got Peloton, but I'm, and I'm not shitting on it. I'm not, you know, like I said, whatever, whatever you value and you think you need, it needs to be a part of your program. It does. So I'm not invalidating that, but yeah, do something inefficient. I think one of the inefficient things you can do is kettlebell swings. That works really great, right? Um, you could do interval training of some sort. I like doing sled pushes and things like that too. Um, but yeah, those are going to be the big things you want to focus on, right? Get get lean protein and veggies on, on your plates. Have that be the, the dominant thing on your plate in most meals. Um, get your three to four days of strength training in each week. Get Hit your whole body in some way. Um, you know, do your, your general activity every day, right? Walking around, um, you're neat, so to speak, right? Like your, your, um, the, you know, the lower level stuff like that. And then just plan to do something more of kind of like an interval style thing or something that's a little bit higher intensity or something you're bad at, right? Inefficient exercise, do something like that. I think 
that will be a lot better to, like I said with Trevor, you know, look at the things that are going to get you to where you want to go instead of checking the scoreboard. Stop looking at your, your you know, whatever area you want to lose fat in. Stop checking the scale. If you do the things you need to to get you there, you're going to get there. Don't don't scoreboard watch. Don't scale watch. Do those things, and I promise you you're going to move in the right direction, right? Okay. Um, would you suggest avoiding... Um, certain foods are doing more cardio. Oh, this is, uh, avoiding certain foods slash doing more cardio, um, to help slim down. Again, I just really don't like the idea of telling people to avoid anything. I think that if you feel like you need it or you want it or you crave it, it's all about how you balance it and, and fit it into your life in reasonable amounts. Um, I will tell you this, probably one of the things that most people don't want to give up, especially the people I work with. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything, but, you know, cutting down alcohol, cutting out, you know, <laughs> takeout, uh, cutting out the fast food type of stuff. You know, I would say, yeah, limit that stuff. But again, not to the point where you're not doing it at all. And then you just go off the, you know, go off the rails and you make a, you do a little bar crawl through the drive throughs right? And you're just like, I'm going to hit, I haven't had... I haven't had fast food, so I'm going to go get a taco at Taco Bell, and I'm going to go get a burrito bowl at KFC, and or I mean uh, um, Chipotle, and you know, you, you just basically don't want to set yourself up so that you swing too hard in any one direction. Um, so I don't think there's anything that you need to give up. I think what you want to do is like what I said earlier in the episode is just, hey, try to eat more, eat more stuff than you eat, eat sometimes, and eat less things, okay? Try to eat more green foods than yellow and red, okay? Um, I saw you post about your grandpa the other day. What are some memories you have with him? Oh, this is a great question, guys. Let's think about this. So, um, yeah, I, I have so many great memories of my grandpa from my childhood. And it's so funny because sometimes you never realize how influential a person is to you until you get older, right? Like some of these lessons that you learn it's just like our life. Like we put our stories to the things that we learn and experience later, right? We, we write the narratives later. And what I've realized with my grandpa is I, like he just exposed me to all of these like all these different things that are so important to my life now. Like, I mean, he was in education all of his, his life, like, and he was a, a, a brilliant storyteller and everything what I do in my, my coaching practice is just telling stories. I'm just... I'm just telling stories all day. And, you know, he's, he's taken me to storytelling events. He, when I was a kid growing up, like, um, he would, he would come to my school and tell stories, you know, with all of his props and stuff. And it, it, I don't know. It was just, um, yeah, he's just an incredible dude. And, and I, I think about too, like, um, we used to always have this thing at his, um, at, at my grandparents' house that was like they would call it cousin camp and they would have all the the family members over and all the cousins over and my grandpa would like have everybody hang out but like he'd also like he'd like really make like organized activities and really tried to like teach us things like I remember him teaching us how to use like uh, like a camcorder to like make movies and then we all like compared our movies that we made I can't remember like what we made but it was so so cool you know we're like all out there like screwing around but in the woods and stuff and you know not taking it serious but like he was like teaching us how to do like real life shit we would need like I do video recordings all the time now like knowing how to use a camera is huge knowing how to plan out those things are huge um I think about like he was huge on he and he still is you know big on composting big on you know gardening big on like learning how to grow your own food and um you know being able to sustain yourself and like take care of the environment and like you know take care of you know the the environment in a way that it like provides for you and um you know like eating whole foods like everything that I talk about you know is like talking about eating real food you know and and um and you know he like I think him being around him was like the first time I was ever like uh, like uh, introduced to like supplementations like multivitamins and like fish oils and all these things like these more holistic ways to like take care of your body and 
Yeah, it's just crazy. I, I just, you know, as like an adult, I just like realize like how big of a significant impact he's had um, on my life. And yeah, it's just cool. Like um, another thing too, like my grandma, who's like also super, she is the best. And, um, but she's very like influential in my life too. Um, he's one of my clients text me, got to get back in the horse again, the weight room guy. Um, no, I'm just kidding, buddy. If you're listening, <laughs> I'm not talking shit. Um, but yeah, no, I, my grandma sent me a box the other day, um, of just like some old me- memorabilia that I have just like stored at her place. Um, and one of the things that, that came in the mail was, uh, was a signed baseball from, uh, Wayne T. Willick. I can't think of how to pronounce his name, but he, he coached the twins in the years that they won the world series. He was a coach on their staff and, um, and I went to, he was coaching the, the saints at the time, but, um, well, I'll get around to that. But like when, when I was, when I was younger, I, for my grandpa's 61st birthday, he did a 61 mile hike. And when he did that, you know, I, I was, you know, an athlete, but not, you know, like, right. Like I'm not walking 61 miles, but in my head, I'm not yet, I don't yet know the things I know now. So, right. I'm like, okay, well I can, I'm in shape for football, man. I can go, you know, I can go out and walk 61 miles. And I did that in the summer and it was one of the coolest, like, it was one of the coolest like moments. I just like, uh, you know, I just got to like talk to him for hours. Right. It takes like, we're walking like 20, 30 hours a day doing this hike. And, um, you know, I had like my, my iPod at the time listening to music on it. And he's like, Oh, I know stairway to heaven. Like, I, just, I don't know. It was just, it was just cool. Like we just spent a lot of time and like talked a lot. And, um, and then like after it, like, he kicked my ass because like obviously he's like a smart guy and he's like, yeah, I've, I've been walking and building up the mileage and, you know, like doing all the things you need to do to walk 61 miles. I did, I did none of those things. And it felt like my feet were going to fall off at the end. He looked like he could have done it again. Um, but it was for a really good cause. It was, it was for, it was for like a charity event that my grandpa for a cause that he really believed in. That's another thing that I've learned from my grandpa too, is just like taking care of people and like taking care of people, especially that like, have less than you um was a really great thing that he he taught me too um yeah but but what was cool about it is afterwards we um we got invited to this game um this like minor league baseball game and we got invited to throw out the first pitch and i just remember like my feet were just like toast after doing this thing and like walking up the mound and (laughs) my feet feel like they're gonna fall off and i throw the first pitch and yeah, but it's really cool like that that my grandma sent me that baseball going back to like that package that I said my grandpa my grandma sent me, but in in the in the memorabilia box was that ticket from the day that we we went to that game and um and then there was also the signed baseball from from Wayne um but it was just really it was really cool to see and and it's really cool to reflect sometimes on like uh you know, people's impact on your life cuz you know, that's everything that I'm out here chasing, trying to do is, is to help people and try to benefit people's lives in some measurable way doing this or coaching or whatever. But yeah, I, uh, yeah, got a lot of that stuff from those guys, a lot, a lot from my grandparents. So, um, we'll go, this one will be the last one here, but, um, what are some of the obstacles you had to go through to get to where you are now? I don't know, man. <laughs> a lot. Um, a lot of stuff. I'll just talk about most recently, um, you know, just in moving to Arizona. Um, I got let go from the, you know, the company that I was working for, well, just laid off like a lot of people did during the pandemic. And, um, you know, and I was getting paid <laughs> the unemployment thing. and But it was just like a really tough time for me. I was living in Wisconsin. And, you know, like I said, like, you know, we're all in lockdown. This is two years ago. And, I like didn't know where I was going to, what I was going to do with my life from there. I'm like, you know, do I go back to Mayo Clinic? Do I go, do I try to do my own thing or whatever? But I was like, you know, while I got this time, you know, I'm going to just try to like make my own app and do my own website and, um, film these fucking videos so I can try to try to make my own thing because, you know, I felt like I had been like making presentations and workshops and things for other people and, 
I felt like I was at the point in my career where like I can I can book my own workshops and I can make my own workshops and I can make my own educational material and I can plan my own videos and I don't know how to do it yet, but I can teach myself how to make a website and 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 get this app looking the way I want it to. And uh, but that was a challenging time. I just remember like there was like days I'd be filming and just be like, oh my God, I'm not, you know, I'm not making any progress. I'm never going to, I'm never going to do this thing. I'm fucking stuck in this apartment. And um, yeah, it was tough. And I remember like the, the cool thing about like me having Dan John on that first episode was like, it felt surreal because like um, I looked, um, I looked at him for a lot of inspiration during the time that I was doing this stuff because I looked at him doing his own workshops online and he's immensely successful in his own coaching practice and coaching online and, and doing his own workshops and all these things. And I was just like, I just want to do that. I would like watch his little, I, I kind of look at him like fire fireside chat type of things, like in front of, you know, you always see his bookcase in the back and he's doing his, uh, you know, his podcast or workshop in the basement of his, of his home or, and he would just give all these awesome workshops and I would, I would listen to him and watch him for inspiration. Like these books that I read, here's, here's the books you need to read. And here's the way you need to look at fat loss. And here's the way you need to look at, you know, training elite athletes. And here's the way, you know, you need to look at like resiliency and all these, but he just, he, yeah, he just like inspired me <clears throat> so much to, to go out and start doing some of that stuff for myself. So when I, when I had that moment where, you know, now I fast forward to today in Arizona, you know, I have my own site and I have my own podcast and I'm coaching people through the app and it's finally growing and I'm, I'm getting some episodes under my belt and all, all that good stuff. It's, you know, it's just, it's just kind of a, hold on one second. All right. So it's just kind of crazy to just like it was crazy to like sit down and see um and be talking to that guy. <laughs> it was just uh it's a wild experience, man. Holy fuck, I've looked at that looked at that bookshelf and and him sitting in front of there um giving these workshops a million times. I'm like, I didn't think I was gonna do it. And it's like, shit, man, I'm sitting here talking to the guy. Crazy, mind blowing. Tomorrow, you know, and I even look at like tomorrow, it's like well, and then I and then I look at like you know obstacles too. Is like moving here. I didn't have any clients. I didn't. I didn't know what I was doing. Like I was still finishing the website. You know, I was still, you know, figuring out how I was gonna, how to pay for stuff and how to get, how to get this business going. And I, I, like, I had to do a lot of like soul searching. And this really was something I really wanted to do. I, to get some of my first clients, I just walked out to this park by my house and. <laughs> <clears throat> And met Mary and Sep that I train and, and some of my other clients. And, you know, it was like a big obstacle to just be like, dude, you're going to sink or float right now. And you're either going to like, <clears throat> you're either going to like go out and talk to these people in this park or you're not going to fucking do this. Or you're either going to like get over your fear of like making videos and putting out content and reaching out to people. You're not going to make it. And, you know, so that was, yeah, it was just. Well, it was wild to go from that to that. And then now, you know, now where it's just like, it's really swinging up in the right direction. And the testimonials are piling up and, and, and the before and afters are piling up and, and, and my clients are happy and they're getting great results. And I have all these like great people, you know, in my life that I'm like reconnecting with and whether they're past clients or family or friends and it just starts to, you know, it's starting to feel like my life's like, you know, like I was talking about earlier in the episode, like the value thing is really starting to align, but it, it takes a lot of those really hard moments and <clears throat> those obstacles where you're just like, fuck man, I'm not going to make it, you know, I'm just going to, but you know, if it really means a lot to you, you won't quit. And yeah, and you make it work, you just do that, but yeah, so those are some of the obstacles that I've been through. Definitely been through a lot more um, in my life, but, you know, that might be for another podcast. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. And um, But, you know, going back to that thing of, like, people, um, you know, what do you, what do you do if you don't believe in yourself? Just fucking do it anyways, you know. Fuck them. 
you know, like, like you're, you're either like, you're either going to give up on your dream or you're just going to have to put up with the shit you have to go through to get to where you want to go. So, you know, if you're one of those people early in the podcast and you don't believe in yourself, I believe in you. <laughs> but yeah, we'll end on that note today. And thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast and, um, you know, for all the clients that I work with that, you know, allowing me to do the thing that I love to do, which is help people and coach them. And thank you guys a ton. I love you guys. You guys have a great rest of your day and look forward to hearing from you soon.